Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Our gospel lesson comes from John chapter 4. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and traveled back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you'll worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and it is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, 
come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have always had a soft spot in my heart for the Samaritan woman that we meet at the well because she is the very first evangelist, the first person to encounter Christ and then go out and share that good news with others of that living water that only Jesus can bring. When people argue that women shouldn't be in ministry, shouldn't preach, which they do plenty in 2020, the Samaritan woman is a powerful biblical witness of a woman who knew the salvific power of Jesus Christ to transform lives and the world and went out and shared that with others. Others who believed and went out and told more. That, friends, that'll preach. She saw God and she told others about it. Of course, she had no reason to believe that people would trust her when she spoke. After all, people tended to keep their distance from her. She got tired of the dirty looks and the whispering women as she passed by, polite hellos that were punctuated by laughter. It's why she decided she was gonna change her routine and she decided to go to the well at a time when nobody else would be there. How she missed those cool mornings before the sun rose, meditative walks to the water. But that's when all the other women go to fill up their buckets before the heat of the day. So she decided she would change her schedule and go later so that she did not have to face interacting with others. Talk about having a life that unraveled. People presumed that she had done something wrong, but they just didn't understand her story. Yes, she'd had five husbands, but her first one was abusive. Two of them had died. She had to keep getting married because as a woman in this society, she was economically dependent on living with men. What else was she supposed to do? And now the man that she's living with, not her husband, because of some ancient law about being with the brother of her deceased husband to try and produce a child. She was just trying to follow the law, but there was still all kinds of stigma. So she tried to avoid people, and it wasn't that hard because people tried to avoid her. So imagine her surprise when one day she shows up at the well, the hottest part of the day, normally she's alone, and there's a man there. It's a man who wants to talk with her, chooses to talk with a woman. That was culturally taboo unless they were related, which they definitely weren't because she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew. Jews believed that Samaritans were unclean. So this had the makings of a completely scandalous encounter. Well, she was taken aback and confused not entirely sure what was happening. Jesus, the man there at the well, looks at her and says, give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? 
Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She assumes naturally, as we all would, that he's talking about actual water to quench her thirst, to take back and nourish her family. Confused about how he's able to retrieve this water, she says to him, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. The well is deep. Where are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks who drank from it? Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them, they will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this living water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, she couldn't fully, fully comprehend what Jesus was trying to say. That often happens in the Gospel of John. But nonetheless, somewhere between his cryptic talk about living water, where to pray, eternal life, the coming hour, she realized more than anything that this man, he truly saw her. He sought her out. He talked to her about her own salvation even though he was risking social isolation by doing so, Jesus crossed boundaries of exclusion to show his love to her, a Samaritan and a woman, and not a very liked one at that. Jesus, it turns out, knew her life story, her needs, her wants. She couldn't explain the mysterious feeling she had or start to answer every single question about faith. But she knew that Jesus was calling her, saying her name, and that by that well, she encountered God. Suddenly her shame, her pain, her self-doubt, and her rejection, they began to unravel into that good news that she is a beloved child of God, seen by God's beloved son. She encountered God because she knew that God was choosing to encounter her. Our theme this week is unraveled shame. We all carry around shame for something we've done or that was done to us, the way people or society treat us. Regardless of the source, shame can make us shrink and feel like we don't belong not only around others, but tragically often, we don't feel like we belong in our own skin or even in the eyes of God. Catholic theologian James Allison describes faith, not as intellectually ascending to a set of theological prepositions, but he describes faith as relaxing. I love that. Relaxing in the love and the presence of God and the way we relax in the presence of someone we are certain is fond of us. This is part of what happened for the Samaritan woman at the well. In the presence of Jesus, she relaxed. Imagine her taking a deep breath. She was seen and known for exactly who she was, where she had been, and she was loved in spite of it, because of it, and gifted with living water. There was no more hiding, no more shame, 
only being seen and loved and relaxing deep into that good news. Friends, what would it feel like for us to truly relax into our faith, into the good news that you are, as we say every week in worship, God's beloved child? For shame, whatever its source, to begin to unravel into love, because this is the good news of the gospel. Whoever you are, wherever you find yourself on your faith journey, you are God's beloved child. God sees you and loves you through Jesus Christ, no matter what you have done or not done, however society treats you, no matter who rejects you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The Samaritan woman begins to know this so deeply in her soul that she cannot keep it to herself. Neither should we. She surely thought people might reject her, but nonetheless, she decides she's going to run back to town, leaving her bucket by the well, no longer thirsty, telling the Samaritans of her experience, becoming the first evangelist. A little bit later, John says, many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. She was an effective evangelist at that. As we encounter this text this week, this powerful story, this strong woman and our prophetic savior, Jesus Christ, I'm finding myself drawn to both the comforting and the challenging message it witnesses for us in our time. Faith at its best is both of these things, comforting and challenging. This text is comforting because we are seen and known and God washes away our shame with that living water. Thanks be to God. This text is also though challenging because the good news of God's love often comes to us in unexpected people and places where we have drawn boundaries from people and places that societies and individuals and too often the church heap shame upon. And friends, in our culture right now, I don't have to tell you this, we are much too quick to speak rather than listen, to be defensive instead of vulnerable, to seek to understand rather than explain our perspective first. We put up so many boundaries about who is in and who is out, who we should listen to and who we shouldn't. The challenging part of this text is that when we shut others out, when we heap shame upon them, dismiss them outright because of their country of origin or religion or race, ability, age, economic status, immigration status, gender or sexual orientation, friends, when we do that, we are missing Jesus. And we risk not hearing preaching and testimony that we need to hear that can cause continued conversion and the love of God in us. Because Jesus speaks to and through everybody, but especially we find in the Gospels over and over again, people whom the world shames. From Zacchaeus to the woman at the well, from the good Samaritan to that leper that he touches and heals from the woman accused of adultery to eating with outcasts just about every day of his life. As we continue to move through these pandemics of COVID and racism, 
through the horrific shooting this week of Jacob Blake, the economic fallout, the intertwining sufferings that all of these are producing right now. We know that shame and trauma and stigma, they have real and deadly consequences. So as Christians, we are called to respond. First, we're called to pray. Pray to be comforted and challenged. Pray that each person on this planet would be able to relax into their faith, that each one of us would relax into our faith, knowing and believing that we are beloved children of God and dropping whatever shame we carry at the feet of Jesus, trusting in that living water more than any other messages out there. Begin to pray that we would know how to share this good news even and especially if we think we're not equipped or nobody's gonna trust us or believe our story. For we are blessed and we are called. The world needs this love that we can share. And ultimately, I pray that we would listen for that good news of God that comes through those that the world and that we and that I am quick to shame. To, to pray that we would begin to see as God sees not for a goal of tolerance, but with a posture of learning and listening and becoming better Christians because we listen to others' testimonies day after day and transform ourselves and the world. And we turn that prayer into action so that the living water of Jesus Christ may be our true source from those baptismal waters that, that proclaim our belovedness in God to that justice that rolls down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, to that river that flows with milk and honey, and a kingdom that was and is and will be for everyone. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.